Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilde. Entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy. And healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely gonna be some laughing, and hopefully, you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. All right, so this was a very fun conversation for me. It was a little bit of a, a throwback. It was with Lauren Toyota. You guys probably know her as the founder of Hot for Food, an amazing, amazing digital site, Instagram page, cooking up all kinds of vegan love. She's also the author of some very successful cookbooks. But when I met Lauren, she was a VJ on Much Music. She was the host of the Much Music VJ Search, which was the reality show that completely changed my life. And now and then we get to see each other when she's doing press for her new cookbooks. And I felt like we just needed to connect for this podcast because I think having conversations about what you eat is really important. And then I also know that for Lauren, meditation is a really, really big part of her life. And with everything going on right now, I think it's a really great challenge to try to slow down and being okay with being still. So this was really, really fun for me. You guys are going to love Lauren. She's incredibly intelligent. Um, she's fun to listen to. She's very passionate about what she does, and she deserves all the success that has come with Hot for Food. So without further delay, here is Lauren Toyota on the Healthy is Hot podcast podcast. It's nice to see your face. Yeah, this is great. Uh, yes, this we've got we've got Zoom, we've got Instagram. It's amazing. I know everybody look at this. Happy to I've see never, you too. Never been more techie in my life. This is fun <laughs> because I, I feel like with everything going on right now, I don't know about you, but I have just been craving social interaction more than ever. I mean, I, I've, I'm an introverted extrovert, but like the extrovert in me is just like, ah, let me out. Let me go interact with people. So I want to say thank you for being down for doing this with everything. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed, here's the thing. I'm a little bit different from you. This has very much highlighted how much I am not social. I mean, I already knew that. I really do like my alone time. And the difference is just that this has not been that much different uh, from my regular life. And I feel like I've been practicing this self-isolation all along anyway. So that wasn't a big adjustment for me in particular. And I understand how tough it is for so many people. So I've been okay with that aspect of it, truthfully. But it has been nice because you do, you, I've started to like have conversations and FaceTimes and stuff with people that I haven't seen in a while. And it, it really did, you know, just create a bit of a, I don't know, like a, a fun connection that you otherwise probably would have gone ignored for longer, right? You just lose track of people and stuff. So 
Yeah, I feel the same same way when it comes to connecting with people. I, every day I try to connect with someone different that I don't typically talk to on a daily basis. And it's been fun to think feel and think about like friends that don't live in the same city or family members that I maybe should work on that relationship. And I'm like, you know what? Today's gonna be the day. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a little FaceTime, see if they pick up. And yeah, we're kind of forced to really reevaluate all of our friendships and all of the relationships in our lives because we get to decide who we reach out to that day and who we keep those connections alive and positive. So I love that mm -hmm. you're doing that too. Okay. Since you've basically been preparing for self-isolation, as you say, you yeah. know, how can the rest of us who are really not used to spending so much time alone and who might be struggling, like how can we look at it in a more positive light? That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, it's definitely a huge shift and adjustment when you're somebody who's used to getting up at a certain time every day and you have a really, you know, um, a really kind of strict routine and then going to work for, you know, eight, nine hours a day outside of your home and coming home. That's a huge adjustment. I'm used to working from home. So I've had many, many years, you know, five plus years to figure out what my routine is and what I need in order to be productive for everybody. It's going to be different. And I think for a lot of people who are used to routine, you somehow have to maintain a bit of that same routine, even given this situation. Like you have to get up at the same time and do kind of the same things, whether that was like a workout, if you went to the gym and do it in your, in your house, um, still stick to the same kind of like meal times. It's, you can't start deviating because then you'll just fall right off the rails and you'll feel extremely lost and confused about how to, how to like, you know, organize your day. I remember that was just a hard thing for me when I first started working from home and um, started this like online business is it was like very weird to be like, I have all this freedom. Yes. But how do I use it wisely and not waste the day and, and all of that. So there's two ways of thinking though. You also, you know, we're going through a crisis. It's very emotional and tough for people. And you also want to give yourself space for that by not being so hard on yourself and trying to stick to a strict routine. So there is this like balance, right. Of like being easy on yourself and understanding that like, of course, how are you supposed to adjust to this? Like overnight, you can't. Um, so you've got to feel that out individually for sure. Um, other than that, I think the only other thing I, when I first started running this online business from home is I just made sure I got outside every day. And even I did that when, you know, we used to work together in a building in a more, I worked in a more office environment. I still make sure, okay, I got to get out of here. Like I got to get outside and like take a break. So the, that, that was just one thing that like for me worked to kind of stay focused. Yeah. I think, I think outside time is very, very important. Obviously mm -hmm. practice you know, safe social physical distancing if you're going to yeah, go outside and take a walk. But I've, I've definitely noticed that obviously spending a lot more time at home. And when I start to get a little bit sad or my anxiety starts to creep up, I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe it's time that I go outside now. Maybe it's time I just take a couple breaths of fresh air and just shake that Etch-a-Sketch and come back feeling fresh. But I love that you mentioned yeah. structure, but then also just allowing yourself to not have structure at times too, because with everything going on, structure is really important. I've now adopted waking up at the same time. I've really got a solid morning routine, but then if there's moments or days where you feel really sad and you kind of just need a veg day, know that that's okay too. Like just because you set yeah. out a schedule and a structure doesn't mean you need to stick to it. This is a very unprecedented time with a lot of emotions running around. So having mm -hmm. like a little bit of both worlds, I think is really important. Yeah. Um, you need you to make mentioned... space for the emotions. Like you need to like, even if you're emotional, you need to set aside time during the day to maybe like cry and like let that out like that is that I guess that's what I mean too is like put that in your day if that's what you need right 
crying is necessary sometimes, Lauren. Sometimes yeah. you just need to yeah. let the tears flow. Um, uh-huh. you, you kind of alluded to the fact that we used to work together. Yeah. We, have to go, we have to go back there. I mean, the last time I saw you face-to-face was for an e-talk shoot. We were promoting your latest cookbook. Um, everyone needs to go check out All Things Hot for Food because, holy cow, like you make some delicious, delicious recipes that are plant-based and that everyone can do and everyone can enjoy because you're basically just out there promoting yummy food for everybody to enjoy that happens to be plant-based. Yeah. Food that is just food, but it happens to be plant-based. That's how I like to look at it. It's comfort food based. Yeah. That was like a Christmas shoot. Didn't we do a Christmas thing? I think so. It's been too long. I forget when that was. It's been a couple years though, because I moved here last summer. So time goes by so fast. But at least we're doing this now. But when you and I first met, it was before Hot for Food was in existence. It was way back in 2013. You were a Much Music VJ hosting a show called The VJ Search. And I was one of the contestants. And that was my first exposure to you. This like newbie with you know, practically no television experience, actually no television experience whatsoever. And we were on this Greyhound bus and we traveled across the country and you were the host and you were on that bus. And I remember looking at you doing your thing, doing the standups, letting us know what the challenges were going to be, announcing who was staying, announcing who was going. And I was in utter awe of you. When you think back to that time, like what do you, what comes to mind for you? Oh my God. It was the weirdest and best (laughs) thing I've ever done. Like 100%. It was the best thing I've ever done. It was a dream come true to host it for sure. When I think back to that time, there's a lot that I think about. uh, Cause I also met, you know, my ex-boyfriend now at that time uh, on that trip. (laughs) It was a very pivotal time in my life. Like it changed my life, that show, just as it changed your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think for everybody who was involved, it changed their life uh, drastically. That's the one thing I, I know about that time. It was also a lot of fun. And there was a lot of BS too. I mean, it was still my job. It was television. You know, there was drama that some of which, obviously you had your own drama as a contestant, but there was definitely drama behind the scenes as someone who was like part of the making of the show and the politics involved and like con- who, who was going to go forward and the contestants and all that stuff. I mean... You definitely were the clear winner. You're the most professional. You were the most put together. Obviously, look at you now and how like how that's changed your life and how far you've come. I think it's so, so cool. And I'm really proud of you. It's amazing to see. Um, and I think even for me, although it wasn't directly, re- it was kind of directly related to the birth of Hot for Food because of meeting John. And um, I had started Hot for Food as an Instagram and was hadn't launched it as a real blog until... Um, the following year after that, um, in 2014. So it was part of Hopper Foods evolution, a hundred percent. It's just very bizarre. It's a super bizarre time. It was it's weird, like, right? Like it's such it's a weird, it's such a weird, like social experiment. Uh-huh. Where, like people were built up, people were broken down, opportunities. Uh-huh presented. People were pushed to their absolute brink. Um, I only saw one side of it as a contestant, but then you got to see the whole other side. And I think it's pretty amazing that that show changed both of our lives in so many ways. You know, you were introduced to John, which eventually led to the creation of Hot for Food. And now here you are with Hot for Food five-ish years later. And that show not only put me on the path to being in television, but it was also the birth of Healthy as Hot. Yeah. That's what's so cool is that like, who knew that that those little two things were like 
birthing themselves. Yeah. I mean, I knew that about your story, that that's where that came from because you were sort of, well, actually, I don't know entirely, but that's sort of, you were sort of thinking just about that aspect of your life, right? Because of being in such a strange environment. Yeah, you got it. So basically when we were, I was struggling with, with my relationship with food prior to the reality show, but the reality show really put it on a fast track. So by the time we had traveled from um, Vancouver to Ottawa and Ottawa was the city right before we went to Toronto for the lives. So we'd been on the road for a little bit. I got off the bus in Ottawa and my mom lives there. So she was there with my brother and our family dog and they were so excited to see me. And when I got off the bus, my mom's face went from like excitement to concern because of all the weight that I had lost. And she, I, she just saw something different in me. And so that was actually the night that she told me like, if you're going to do this, focus on health, no matter what, like if you're going to go into this industry, don't let, don't let it change you. Always focus on your mental health, your physical health. And that was the night in Ottawa after that challenge where we took over by word market that I use the hashtag healthy is hot for the very first time. And then it just started to kind of grow from there as I worked on my own relationship with health, mental health, uh, body image, food relationships, all that. It started that night in Ottawa. Oh my God. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you had used healthy is hot that day on social. That's really amazing. <laughs> wild. Like all of this was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that is fantastic. Also, it's like hot for food, healthy is hot. It's so fun. <laughs> I just, I freaking love it. I love it because there's like, I have like shivers. shivers like you're telling line. me, yeah, you're telling me the story. I have shivers. <laughs> well, because you were there, but you were there, but like unaware of that part, right? Like that day you were, you were the host of the show telling us that we had X amount of hours to create a, an activation in the street to get people excited about the show. Like that was where your head was at. And then yeah. meanwhile, this was going on. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Wow. And from there you started hot for food and now here you are mm -hmm. and it's this massive entity. I mean, you are still very much, you were a content creator before, but now you're an independent content creator where you are calling the shots in this journey called life and bringing people together through the love of food and with your other passions. Like what, it's amazing to look at the journey that you've been on. Like, did you ever foresee all of this happening for hot for food and for you, or were you just kind of taking it one day at a time? I was definitely taking it one day at a time. The, the, the real, like, I guess the pre-birth birth of hot for food was in, in 2009 when I actually started going vegan and so this was before I even started working out of that much music building. I had left from Vancouver and came to Toronto and I started it as a blog. And this was when I was transitioning to vegan. So the name had been in existence since 2009, 2010, when I actually went vegan. And, but when, as soon as I got work at the, at much music in Toronto, which was the end of 2010, I essentially didn't do anything with it. I was still vegan, obviously, but I was too busy working in television and it wasn't until I started an Instagram in 2012 for hot for food that it took on a new life. So I could see it being something then because it was really now a brand at that point and it was online and I was part of this online food community. And then that third wave was, like I said, launching the real blog that you sort of see now with John in 2014. And then that moved into YouTube, but the YouTube didn't come until, uh, you know, I lost my job in 2014 there. July 2014. 
but I had launched that blog in February, 2014. And it was when I launched that blog in February, 2014, that I thought, okay, I think this is probably going to become my job only because truthfully at that time, if people don't, they don't know this, but like we knew something weird was going on day that I got lost my job. It was very clear, like, Oh, interesting how I started at the exact right time because wow. when I lost my job, I wasn't really shocked. I had been mentally preparing for it anyway for six months. And I felt like I had kind of intuitively created a bit of a landing place for myself. And I felt like, Oh, no problem. Like I can just start doing this full time. Like obviously I don't know how I'm going to make money with it and I don't really know what I'm doing, but at least I have this almost 10 years of experience in production that is definitely going to be worth something now to start my own online business. And so that's what happened. And, uh, I'm kind, I'm super glad that it all happened the way it did because otherwise who knows what would have happened to hot for food. I don't know that the motivation or the time and the space would have been there to build it to this place as a side hustle. I, I, who knows, but I just don't feel like I would have done that personally, that I would have had the motivation and the confidence to do that. And to get losing, to lose my job was really the catalyst to like go full on with it. But that must have still been a very hard shift because for 10 plus years, you had worked for somebody. So even though, yeah. I mean, the, the time that I knew you were always very independent, always very creative, but working for someone, someone says your schedule, someone deals with mm -hmm. the finances, the admin, and then all of a sudden you are now your own entity. Um, thank goodness you had this landing page because I'm so glad that you were able to focus all your energy on it. But that must have been a, a big shift to go from an employee of a company to a self-employed person of your own company. It definitely was. And being like self-employed or this idea of being an entrepreneur, it was funny because I used to, I did this class in, in grade 12 high school that was called like entrepreneurship and it was all about like that. And I, I did that class with this sense of like, how cool would it be to run my own business? But there's no way I'm ever going to do that. Like, I just definitely thought it wasn't for me and it would be impossible to do. Only because I grew up at a time without social media and the internet, like I'm older than you. So it's like, I grew up at a time when it, the access to things wasn't as accessible. Like there wasn't yeah. the same access people have now. So I <clears throat> definitely felt like, not within the realm of possibility for me. So that was something to have to definitely adjust to and wrap my head around. Like it's more of a confidence thing than it is anything to just, decide, okay, we're doing this and we'll figure it out as we go along. Because truthfully, nobody knows what they're doing. Everyone's figuring it out as they go along, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. Um, but I do think that timing of that happening for sure, at that point, I was ready. Interesting when you look back and you see that the groundwork was kind of laid out for you. And if you were yes. in tune enough to kind of stay on that path where the groundwork was kind of helping you kind of lead you in the right direction, like hindsight is so powerful. You look back and you're like, oh, wow, in the moment, I didn't realize that that was actually preparing me for situation A. But now that I'm in situation A, I realize, oh, okay. I think I can do this because of the experiences that I've been on and the fact that you were like in tune with that little voice that said like hot mm -hmm. for food, hot for mm -hmm. food, you can do yeah. this. Yeah. And I'm all, I'm all about that. And around that time, even 2013 VJ search 2014, losing my job, it was within that time that I actually found meditation. And so I had started becoming a lot more 
in tune with that voice that was guiding me, that was sort of giving me little clues, like, you know, all's working out, like this seems bad, but it's really not. And I really held that focus and that perspective. And I think that that helped a lot. And that definitely is in contrast to, I lost my job previously for Much Music in 2008, when I worked in Vancouver for them. And at that time I was much younger and inexperienced and didn't have that internal guidance. That wasn't part of my life as clearly. And, you know, I didn't have the, those spiritual or, or mental tools to be able to understand what was happening. And I took it on as like a, a victim and was mm. very much uh, hurt by the whole experience. And, and again, still had to experience it that way in order to do, you know, be able to look at it the second time it happened differently. But just to mention that it's like, I didn't handle it well at all like this the first time it happened, but that was also the learning of that experience. So it's funny yeah. how I also have two of these experiences to go from and how drastically different both were in terms of the perspective that I held um, when I looked at it. Is meditation still a big part of your life now? Yeah, it's uh, the main thing I think that allows me to really do what I do. I kind of um, attribute the fact that everything unfolded the way it did and I was able to listen to that guidance and see the bigger picture, I attribute meditation to that. And I think to just where I am with things now in terms of even handling what's going on right now. And it's, it, it just, it anchors you in like truth. It anchors you in your truth and your purpose and your bigger picture so that you, not always, I'm not like, it's not like you're supposed to be a master at this and I'm certainly not, but it just helps you see things in the real in 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 a, in a real way like the real real way because i think what we think is reality is sort of an illusion at times you know and we can get very hung up on it and we can get very like anxious from it and we can get very small from it and uh, meditation has just let me i don't know come into that like bigger version of myself and it's very helpful for business it's very helpful for everything but yeah I love that you say it's, it's helpful for business because I think, well, the, the stories and the narratives that we're hearing about meditation are definitely changing. You know, I think before even just circle back to like, we keep going back to that pivotal year of like 2013, like meditation wasn't as popular, wasn't as like in mainstream as it is now. And that was only seven years ago, which to me yeah. is still mind blowing, but it's really, really changed. And it's like, it's this buzzword right now, but I think it's a buzzword that's been around for a very long time and it's worthy of all the buzz that it's getting. But not, I don't know that many people look at meditation, they're like, oh, this is gonna be great for my business. They think, oh, it's gonna be great for my mental health, it's gonna be great to keep me calm. But I love that you're saying, no, 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 it's actually great for everything, including your business or your creative side hustles. It's great for everything. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the perspective shift that happens is you start seeing how everything is holistic, how what's happening in your workplace is a reflection of what's happening in your personal life is a reflection of what's happening within you, the relationship you have to yourself. And so nothing is separate, meaning we, we do. And I remember distinctly thinking this, that like, this is separate from this and this is separate from this, but it's actually all works together. And so what thing needs to like, um, what's the common denominator 
is you. And so how are you approaching each of these aspects of your life, money, finance, you know, relationships, business, you know, interpersonal relationships, all these things, you're still the center of that wheel. And so that's why meditation brings the focus inside and, and within so that the outside can then reflect that instead of the other way around. If we do it the other way around, which we're basically conditioned to do and to think of it that way, then life feels out of our control and very like erratic and confusing. And so it brings a much more clarity and focus and, and I guess alignment, you know, you can use all these words, they all mean the same thing, but it, and purpose, same thing. It just, once you bring it in, you're able to, to then again, like manifest it out. Um, so that was, that's a huge shift. Like that was a massive shift for me to start recognizing. And it's not like I, you know, some people talk about these like extremely spiritual, like moments where they're like transformed and that's not really what happened to me, but I did have a meditation or I did do a meditation, a guided meditation at a small retreat. And it was a little bit of like a light bulb, a little bit of a realization like, Oh, I can access this, this thing, this other realm, this other side of me. Um, and when I do that, I feel really good and grounded and at ease. And so why wouldn't I just try to cultivate that as much as possible? And I love that that's in you. That's something that you can do for yourself. And everybody can. And that's yeah. why meditation is important because, because it's, it's it, I mean, it really is about you. It's about you. And you have to make sure that you and you are good, that like you and the observer of you are good. I'm not necessarily saying that's God, but it's something, you know, the mm -hmm. fact that you can recognize what you are doing. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, so you have to cultivate that. And then everything else just doesn't feel as hard because life yeah, because feels you feel, hard. You, you know? feel sure of yourself. You feel okay with yourself. Imagine everybody could wake up and as they're brushing their teeth, they catch their, they catch their gaze in the mirror and they, they can make eye contact and say, you are okay. You are worth it. You are enough. Like you got this because so often that's not what we say to ourselves. And I think, you know, what I'm hearing with what you're saying about meditation is meditation allows you to go into that space, to have those moments of realization. So that way when life does get hard and life is hard at the moment, you can still know that there's power and there's strength and there's courage and there's stillness inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. And I think the meditation is also to become aware of that voice that is speaking these different ways to you all the time, right? It's sometimes it's saying negative, a lot of negative stuff and it's quite chronic and habitual and so much in the background that we just accept it for what it is. And we're like, Ugh. it's, it's a, what it need. It, you have to observe that voice in order to, it's not about getting rid of it. And that's the thing with meditation. It's not about getting rid of the thoughts or getting rid of the voices or the, it's just about listening to it. Like you, we don't, a lot of people don't even know it's there. So start listening to it and just observing with what it sounds like. And it's hard to do that without judgment at first, but it does become, it's, that's really all the practice is. It's just like, what am I saying? Like, what are these thoughts in my head? How chronic are they? Can I create some amount of space in between them so that they start to become less and less or that I'm able to at least recognize they're there, but not 
not chronically focus on them. They're still going to happen. You're never going to get rid of all of this stuff. That's not the point. And there is no death. There is no end. There's no, okay, I'm enlightened and I'm done now. It's like, no, this is <laughs> that's your, it. Moving this, on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Like this, and it's not something to achieve. Again, it's like meditation can sometimes fall into this category. Like we do with exercise and like achievement. Cause that's how we're wired. It's just a tool and it's a really important tool. I've noticed for me and a lot of people and every, all the people, you know, all the people in this space say the same thing because we all have this individual um, power to be able to empower ourselves. And this is, I think the way to do it. And of course there are certain forms of like moving meditation or like athletes who are doing their focus, you know, those are all forms of meditation, but there's still something really, really, really powerful about just actually being still because we don't do that. We don't like doing that. Yeah. It's, it's very hard. Start. It's hard for people to be still mentally still is one thing, but then to combine that with physical stillness and to be okay with that. And every single time I sit down, I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm going to meditate today. Maybe it's guided. Maybe it's with wearable tech. Maybe it's in a class. Those first couple of minutes, I am aware of like every little twitch, every like all my body movements, the way my eyelids feel like it's, it feels very vulnerable to be still. Yeah. But that's the practice, like just to be aware of that, because I think all day, every day we go along not noticing a lot, a lot in our external world, certainly, because we're just going a mile a minute, but definitely the internal world, we're not recognizing a lot, uh, if, it, if anything. And so to even just notice, like you're saying, I mean, I'm sure that's gotten easier too. Like at the beginning, you're really judging yourself because you mm -hmm. think, oh, I'm not doing this right. I'm supposed to be still. No, you're not. Your body's in constant motion. <laughs> at a cellular level, like you're not meant to be completely still or any of this. You're supposed to just be there at a more quieter level to see those tiny nuanced details and movements. And that works physically and at the mental level as well. Right. And the emotional level, there are, there are, um, you know, there's a scale of emotions. And so just observing where you fall at any given time, it's clear that you're very passionate about this. I can feel it through this technology. And I imagine I you bring it to life with Live With Purpose. I'm so sorry that you had to postpone Bali oh, for okay. Live With Purpose, but I know that there will be many more. So I'd love to like talk about that, about you know, why you wanted to create this um, experience for people and what kind of happens in them and what the biggest takeaways have been. Yeah, so Live With Purpose is a... Um, I guess a, a retreat or a getaway that I do with my friend, Amanda, she runs a company called the getaway co and they're full plant-based um, curated uh, trips. And we did the first, she launched her business last year and we, because we're close and we were talking about what was going on in our lives. I, this idea of doing some type of in-person gathering or retreat was something that a I wanted to do. And I had started getting approached by other travel companies, like asking me to just like host trips to Thailand and sell these spots. And that's kind of where the idea came from. I was like, that's probably something I couldn't do, but I wanted to be more special. I wanted to be more curated and, and reflective of who I am and what's important to me, not just sort of attached to a travel company and sell a trip. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's where that whole thing kind of came from. And as we were just talking, you know, we were at lunch just talking about what a retreat would look like. Obviously it's veganism and it's meditation. Like those are the two most important things in my life that have changed my life. And yes, I've, you know, turned them into basically 
part of a business, but at the same time, they're just my, they're just who I am and they're very important to me. And, um, I couldn't have a conversation about a vegan retreat with my recipes and, you know, doing cooking classes without also saying, well, I think if we're going to spend 10 days together, there has to, there really has to be this meditation component and it's going to be important. And it's going to also, I want it to involve my best friend, Natalie, who's a meditation teacher. And we've gone through that journey together where she also used to work at Bell Media. She was our makeup artist. And, <laughs> Very uh, amazing, talented. No, and uh, she and I did find in that 2013 experience I was talking about, we were together when we meditated. And um, she had had already some previous years with that experience. But anyway, we've been on this journey together. So it was very important for her to be involved in whatever this gathering would be. And because she's sort of my guru in a way, although we've been on this journey together, I've always felt like she brings, I don't know, it's just like, that's her purpose. I mean, she's the, the healer and the teacher. And, and for me, so I was like, she's got to be, we got to do a program or we got to do a meditation or something. And Natalie's got to be part of it. So anyway, Bali was also just on my list as like this place I wanted to go to. So we, so obviously there was a lot of work behind the scenes, but it all came together very magically. So we did it for the first time last June. And prior to that, Natalie and I like worked on like, what is, what is the meditation program? And, um, she very much like came up with it or I, we say she, handled it because it definitely feels like something it feels like when when you start tapping into this you start being able to things happen where you're like I don't feel like I'm necessarily doing this it feels like it's coming to you it's the way musicians and you, you know we've interviewed musicians and artists and they're always like I don't I don't know it just comes yeah because when you tap into that energy and that field that literally exists and is available to all of us there's so much more than you can even imagine available to you that you can receive. And when you get out of your own way, you can create a lot of magic without feeling like, it, again, the ease feels like you're not trying. And so it starts to, you're like, what, how does all this happen? It feels like magic. I just say it's magic because it literally feels like it's magic. But what you have to realize is if you put in the time and if you, if you like get, just get out of your own way, you know, that's how you access it. So anyway, this is what I want to share. I mean, this is what I want to talk about. Yeah. What I want to share in the meditation program with people who are going to come to see me and hang out with me and travel with me. But also it's like, what are you taking away? Well, I mean, this is just how, I've, how I have figured out how to like live a fulfilling, purposeful life, which was always an intention. But, you know, we struggle our whole life figuring out what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. So we want to teach this and it's, it's very hard sometimes it's hard to explain in words. And so you have to come experience. You have to, I, I really think for me being in circle uh, with mostly it's always all women, but this idea of being in a circle with people, strangers and meditating with them, there's something very powerful about that. And I had experienced that in many different ways prior to doing this retreat. So it was very important for us to bring these little things we've learned from other wiser women along the way from classes I had done or these retreats I had done. And how do we, how do we incorporate all of what we know and what we want to share and bring it to live with purpose? So anyway, we came up with this 10 day meditation. Each day has a theme and we picture it like a circle, a circle as a symbol is very important. Not only are you sitting in circle, but there's like a cycle that happens and we're constantly us as humans constantly in, in change. Right. But also going in cycles. You just notice there are patterns in your life and they follow these cycles and sometimes they're attached to timelines and certain numbers of years and other times 
it's different for everybody, but this idea of a wheel, this kind of constant transformation was just something we wanted to bring to the program. And um, we, we had all these intentions and these big ideas and we just knew that it was something like, you know, when you just feel like this is it, like, this is the idea, like healthy is hot, whatever you have this thing and you don't know what it means. You're just, you're following that guidance and doing it. That's what this whole creation of this trip and this retreat and this thing was. So it was really quite incredible to actually then experience it and see these people coming from all over the world. We had about 25 people at the, on the trip who watch me online and follow what I do and are interested in all these things I talk about. Not everyone was vegan. You don't have to be vegan, but there's at least some curiosity. Mm -hmm. And it's just so cool to this whole thing, like this whole thing that I do has, when I see it as this reflection, I see that the people watching are reflections of me and that we're very much similar in a lot of ways. People come to this trip where they, and they come with this openness, uh, again, because they're somehow called. There's like that bigger part of them that's just called to do this. They don't know why. And when you see, when you're part of this whole thing and you see it unfold, it's just like so crazy. Like all you have to do is be open. So even when we're talking about meditation, it's like just the creating an opening to it that's all you have to do. There's nothing else. Everything else, if you're just slightly open and open up more and more, it just finds you. Like it starts coming in and then it, it starts getting this momentum that you don't, you're not really in control of, but you have to recognize that somewhere along the way you've been asking for more. You've been asking for this. And so it's finding you. And so to see that happen in this weird manifestation of this retreat and these people coming together and then us every day in this circle and seeing how moved people are, by themselves. I mean, Natalie is the guide and she guides everything. And we're, we, I give a little bit of insight as to my personal experiences with certain things, but that's the thing. It's like, it's not about us or anything. It's really just about you. And so when you come into the circle and you're open, all of our individual, uh, magic is just connecting and building into something bigger. And then that ripples out into the world in so many ways, ways that I will never even really be able to ever track or know but just in what happened after and during and people's stories and everybody sharing and the way we connected that's where you see and feel that magic and you're like this is rippling out into the world and that's what my whole like thing about even just like talking about veganism is about it's like mm -hmm. I don't need to tell you and like be forceful because if I just show something there's just like you know it's like be who you want to see in the world. It ripples out. And if it's done in an authentic way, it just ripples out and inspires and other people then take personal responsibility and, and they figure out their own power source and then they do what they, what their purpose is. And then that ripples out into the world. And that's like what you're doing. And that's what like everybody I know is doing. And I can just see it at the, in this, in this really energetic, bigger way now, because of, I guess, just following this more spiritual path and having a bigger, like just having this, understanding of it at a big conceptual level that's very hard yeah. to just you can't articulate it I, I think but, you're doing a good job okay but like it. you live it every day and it's so hard yeah. to just describe yeah. what's happening and I'm not trying to convince anyone I'm just saying it's like that's just what happens it's really crazy I don't think you're trying to convince anyone of anything other than just to be open to it just to be open to the idea that we have a guiding voice within us 
And mm -hmm. that if you can tap into your purpose and spread good, positive energy, that that will have beautiful ripple effects that will hopefully inspire and empower other people. Like mm -hmm. that is what you are telling me and the her whole audience. And I think that that's a beautiful message. And I, I love that you like meditation and veganism are like two things that are really intertwined for you. And that at these retreats, like people get to experience both worlds, even if they're not, you know, entirely plant-based outside of the retreat, like they get to experience it firsthand, which you are such a good chef that I'm sure by the end of it, they're like, okay, I'm good. I'm satiated. My stomach's full. I feel like I've had comfort food, healthy food, the whole gamut. And that's that, like, that's that interconnectedness I'm talking about is that I didn't even recognize at the very beginning, the interconnectedness of me going vegan to then this spiritual thing or this meditation thing, like really finding me. And it's that openness. And for me, going vegan really created an opening that I didn't have before. And it was because I started paying attention to how I felt physically that that by its own power starts connecting you to the whole mind body connection, right? It's like, you can't recognize a physical thing without it then turning into and snowballing into like recognizing, oh, there's some mental blocks there and some emotional blocks there. Oh, it's related to how I've been treating my physical body. Oh, okay. Like it's just, it is all connected all of the time. And it's just like trying to be open to that and recognize that more and more. So this going vegan, just opened up. It opens you up. It connects you to more. Uh, it can't not because you start seeing the world differently and how you're connected to all living beings and what that does to your soul and how we consume things and just your place in the world. We each occupy a little space in this world, right? And we're all connected. So that's what going vegan did. And so of course it eventually led to this spiritual practice i don't think that that's a coincidence and i don't for me in particular i don't know that one could have come before the other mm -hmm. you know it was all sort of happening in that that like i'm saying in that like bigger realm over here uh for my benefit and so uh i don't know where i was going with that but uh, yeah just right. how it is all connected yeah, yeah. I think we, we definitely are all connected and we need to recognize that and also take responsibility for that why did you initially decide to go vegan well, I had always been very, very interested in food and what I put into my body. Um, as a teenager, I, I became a little bit uh, not obsessed. I, I, I personally don't really have experience with like eating disorders or anything like that, but I definitely could see myself. I could see where that started and could have potentially become something not healthy for me because I was obsessed with just fitting it like any young girl, you know, you're yeah. worried about your weight to a degree. Mm -hmm. I started working out. I just became interested in health. I was always reading labels, but it just, it never escalated. It just stayed, I think at a healthy place of an, of an awareness. So that was just my experience. But anyways, it was that, that I think just connected me to like, what am I eating and what's going in my body? Uh, eating meat was always something I felt not great about even as a teenager. So I did go vegetarian, but anyways, for the rest of my young adulthood, I, I didn't feel good. Like I always felt sick and I loved food and I loved being a foodie and trying things. But every time I ate any animal products, I would just feel sick. And like, I just lived with it for so long and thought it was like normal that that must be what everyone feels like. 
but um, it's not. <laughs> and it just, it just took me so long to like come to my senses. And I just was so sick of feeling sick that I was like, okay, like we have to do something about this. And the opening for that was losing my job in 2008 because I had all this space now. I was like, I had all this time. So I, I think that's what forced me to actually pay attention to like, oh yeah, you don't feel good when you eat this. One thing goes in, one thing goes out. You don't feel good. <laughs> like, like I just was having the, I had the time and the mental space to pay attention to that. And I'm glad that it, that happened because up before that I was so busy eating on the go, just like really, really busy. We're focused on career and achievement that I didn't recognize. So anyway, I'm glad that that happened. But anyways, it was just, it was a physical thing. It was like, you don't feel good, figure this out. And around that time, uh, some, you know, I was connected to some books and information like this documentary food Inc. Still one of the, like the most popular documentaries about our food system. And it's not necessarily a vegan documentary, but it is about the food system and the animal agricultural business and stuff. So watching that again was another catalyst to just start looking into this more and I think in the background, it was just like, the idea of going vegan was always there, but I resisted. I was like, no, you'll never, no, you're not going vegan. That's too restrictive. You love cheese. Like that's just not going to happen. But I think I was always meant to be vegan because of how I grew up, how I was raised, like with, I guess, just the way I looked at food, the way my mom looked at food. It almost feels like I was always on the way there. I just, it's crazy how long it actually took, but yeah. So it was a physical thing and it, it didn't really happen. It, it, the layers of it kind of were added along the way. Like actually when we worked together, I started doing some stuff for MTV and I remember this was 2013. I think it came out. Before, no, it was 2014. I can't remember what year this, I think it was 2014. But anyways, we did a document, we did a little docu-series about my own journey with veganism and how I was very much scared to like publicly say I was vegan. Um, and at that point I was like three and a half years into being vegan, but, and I was on television and I, and I just didn't talk about it like publicly yeah. part of my like identity. Uh, and I, and I just started peeling back the layers. It's like, well, what are you afraid of? Like, what is it about committing and saying it out loud? And I always joke that I was like in the vegan closet and I like came out of that during that time. And, uh, it was quite empowering to do that. And that's where it took on a new life because I, I don't know why I was like, afraid to admit <laughs> like admitted and also admit like how much I love animals like that I, I say that's not why I went vegan but it actually is it just didn't seem like that at the beginning I say oh it's because I felt sick and, I, and this and that but it's I had all these experiences where I went to like some animal protests and I went to a, a farm sanctuary and like it's really that just like again it just opened up this other layer of the of the vegan to me and that I wasn't I wasn't committing to, and I was keeping over here in a box. It's almost like, cause you just don't want to feel what you need to feel. And you don't want to like become like some version of what you think a vegan is supposed to be. I was really afraid of that. I was afraid of being like insane and like shoving it down people's throats. That was just not how I wanted to do it. And I had to find my voice within the movement. And I, and through that process I did, which is why I'm here. But that took, you know, three and a half years to sort of figure wow. out. Three and a half years before you could feel confident enough to say, I'm a vegan, even though you'd been a vegan for three and a half years. Yeah. yeah and everything takes its own evolution, right? Yeah. But that was just my journey. That doesn't happen that way for everybody, of course, but that was just mine. And so for uh, someone who might be like listening or watching on IG live right now, who is curious about going plant-based or at least at the very least incorporating plant-based 
days into their diet, but they just don't even know if they can do it. Like where, where are like the baby steps we can all take collectively to have more plant-based meals and possibly even go entirely plant-based? Yes. I'd just like to say somebody on IG live though said compart- I was compartmentalizing it. Oh, yes. Which goes back to what I was saying earlier. We all compartmentalize our lives, but we have to stop doing that because it's not serving us. Like everything is connected. It's all reflections of each other. So one, if one is not working, that's not because it's its own thing. That's not working. There's something that you're doing within that. Anyway, do you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's all a whole big pie that works together. Okay. But yes, how, <laughs> so, so well, how actually fired to, up you get <laughs> yes, to this person's point. I mean, how can we all take a step is, I mean, one thing is to think about that, like where you are compartmentalizing things because a lot of people's opinion about it is, well, I don't want to know, like I'll eat, I'm eating chicken. It's chicken. And I don't want to know well, you're compartmentalizing. Like you're mm. saying, how can I just, you know, how can you not want to know what you're eating? It's going into your body and then that's affecting how you show up in the world. So that's how I look at things now. But at a small level, if you're just at all curious, um, you don't have to like take, do it all hundred percent overnight. Like that's not how I did it. Like I said, it has to be the slow evolution and any steps you're taking, um, in a direction to either, you know, nourish your body better, uh, help our climate and our environment it's all great and just because it's not perfect doesn't mean it's not that that it doesn't count and i think this Mm -hmm. idea of being a perfect vegan or all of that is incorrect and wrong and i don't like i don't like that rhetoric um but you know i always say try swapping out one meal a day or like if you're eating a lot if you just notice like just notice what you're eating if you're relying on chicken all the time you know, take it out three days a week and replace it with other things like figure out a nice way to make a a tofu into like a chicken, which I have many recipes or jackfruit into chicken. I mean, I try to recreate chicken and meat with plants and some people don't like that comparison, but it's like, well, that's how we've been conditioned. It's like, so we want things to feel not so drastically different. We want to feel comforted by what we're doing. And not like we're taking anything away. Uh, So you can do that with just some easy swaps and stuff. There's just, at this point in time, there's just so much information out there. Like there's just so much resource. People like me creating recipes, sharing information, sharing ideas that there's almost no excuse. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the information is there. Like if you want anything, you can make it with plants. It's like, there's nothing new happening. It's all out there. I'm sure there is new stuff happening at a very big industrial level, you know, like impossible foods and stuff like that. And I love all that stuff, but you can still, you know, easily access, bring things home and start incorporating other foods into your diet. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to copy what this person said. because They remind me of paying attention to how food makes you feel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what was, it was for me is like, everybody has this. And this is the conversation I have day in and day out socially when I, when we were out and about, but talking to people, it's like someone will always just say, Oh yeah, I, I do notice like I can't eat dairy anymore. That's a big one. Right. And so really paying attention to what goes in and how it makes you feel. Does it lower your energy? Does it make you irritable? You know, that, that, that's a thing. I mean, the food is our medicine. So it's like, it's our fuel. It's like directly related to how we're behaving and how we're how we're feeling. So noticing those things. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, you are a great resource for amazing recipes. And I love that you are out there recreating some of people's favorite meals, but in a plant-based way. I mean, when I had that, I'm probably going to butcher the name, but it was like a buffalo cauliflower burger. It blew me away. Uh -huh. And then around Thanksgiving, you put out an amazing recipe on how you can still have a, a Thanksgiving turkey. And I'm putting that in air quotes because it was actually like a beautiful cauliflower. And I think that's actually what we made together. And you have some amazing recipes out there, amazing books. Um, I heard from a little birdie that there's going to be a new book. I know we have to wait for it, but like, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, I worked on it all of um, last year. I just handed in the manuscript in February. Uh, so it comes out next February, 2021. Um, some someday that month and it is it is still rooted in comfort food it's still like very much hot for food familiar ideas and techniques um, one of the elements of the book that I'm excited about and it's something that I've been doing on my YouTube channel now for the last uh, five years where I show people how to transform leftovers uh, and sort of you know feel uh, like you don't necessarily have to follow a recipe that you can take things and make delicious food with what you have, like learning how to be resourceful and empowering people to cook like that and use their intuition. I want to bring that element into a recipe book. And of course you still have to have a recipe cause it's a cookbook. So, but what I'm trying to show people is that when we make one thing, we make, let's say, I'll give you an example. We make a tortilla soup, but then in the following two pages, I show you how to take a portion of the tortilla soup and blend it and make it into a cheese sauce for these like cheese fries. Or we take the tortilla soup and we blend it into a slightly different version of a spicier sauce and we make an enchilada sauce and then we make enchiladas with it. So really taking things and truly transforming them into new things so that you don't get bored. It gives you a way to approach your own cooking and your own ideas so that you don't, I think people, again, we feel like we have to fit into some rule book of like how things are done. And I've tried to show on my channels, there's no rules. I mean, clearly there's no rules. Someone who has absolutely no culinary experience can somehow become an authority on <laughs> cooking because there's no rules because you just have to go for it. And so that's what I'm trying to show through my recipes and through the way I cook. And so I tried to show that through this book. So that will be sort of a through line in there. Um, and personally, it's because I just hate eating the same thing like yeah. two, three days in a row. So I'm like, if I have six servings of soup, I don't want six servings of soup. No. I want two servings of soup. And then I want to take the soup and change it. So that's what we're doing. So I like that about the new book in the concept. Yeah. Okay. So we'll have to wait until February 2021 for that. But in the meantime, we can check you out on YouTube, on social media, on the Hot for Food blog. I'll make sure to include all the links down below in the description. And before we officially end the podcast portion of this recording, we can quickly check in with the IG audience. I always like to end every podcast the same way, Lauren. What does healthy is hot mean to you? Healthy is hot. I mean, it means that you are doing what is best for you. And you are always checking in with what is serving you. Uh, what is healthy is, yeah, what is right for you. And as long as you're tapped into that and doing what feels right and authentic to you, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, then it's your, that's your, you know, boundary of health. And like, 
just don't listen to what everyone else says because everyone's got an opinion and everyone's got advice and science and all this information. But it's like so annoying to listen to all that. Mm. You're not listening to yourself. So it's good to like check in with what other, you know, what the information that's out there, but you have to still, your guidance has to be you. And so I try to Love remember it. that. And then, yeah. Well, Lauren, I'm so happy to see your face, <laughs> everything going on. So thank you for being here. Mm. Thank you for having me. I so loved like reconnecting with you and reliving our whole uh, past and how we came to know each other. That was like really fun to remember. I, I was like, we have to go back there because like the VJ search literally changed, obviously changed my life. And now I know it had a huge impact yeah. on your life as well. Yeah, I love that. Well, yeah, I'm um, really thank happy you for all all of what you've done too. I think it's amazing. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wilde. If you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. See you next week.